o'clock. Well, welcome to the first ever Locked On Ole Miss Twitter space. Three of the contributors from Locked On Ole Miss are on here. And um, got somebody to raise their hand. You got something to say, man? Anyway, um, yeah, we got a situation that, you know, this is a pretty cool thing. We got Kara that's going to run this thing because he has more experience in these things than I do. But thank you to everybody for turning up, seriously. Hopefully we'll uh, get a little more as the night. Um, if both yeah. of you, at the bottom of your screen, if you have like a, the blue circle with like a plus sign, you can hit that and then tweet out the space to share it on your timeline. Okay. Just did. Yes. And I I think I set up you and Derek as a co-host, so I don't know if that means anything or not. All right. So. So. I'm seeing a lot of people that, and Stephen, we talked about this last night, but. So. So. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people that, and Stephen, we talked about this last night, but I'm seeing more and more uh, a lot of like disrespect here. On I was listening to Big Game Boomer's um, podcast from yesterday on his SEC takes, and I have to say, uh, I had to go argue with him a little bit on his Ole Miss takes. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's tired of takes. Uh, I'm pretty pretty sure he's tired of hearing from me about it. Yeah, I was ex- <laughs> I was explaining to these guys earlier that. The national media, especially the flyover guys that doesn't see the team or pay attention to what's going on every day, there's no way you can baseline predict this team. If you, if you knew nothing about it and you just dropped in and you're like, oh, Ole Miss lost all these guys, including Matt Corral and all that, they're going to struggle because historically Ole Miss has struggled situation, but yeah. ignores all the transfers coming in and what they could do. And the talent profile of this team has been significantly raised. And I think it's that's going to surprise some national type people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, kind of, kind of like you're talking about all the transfers we've we've had come in. You know, I mean the the depth that they've been able to create on on both sides of the ball is something we haven't seen since you know what 2015 or so, maybe 2014, 15, something like that. You know, I mean we've we got guys up and down the roster that uh that you know you're you're not just one deep anymore, and that's what you need in this league. Yeah, absolutely, and. You know, why don't, why don't we start off on the quarterback competition? Because I think that's what everybody's going to want to talk to, and these people deserve to hear it because they jumped in first, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll start on the quarterback competition. Okay. Uh, you know, it's – obviously nothing's been announced at this point, but, you know, I, I think the competition's basically over. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I would be surprised if Jackson Dart didn't the starter come uh, – what is that, September 3rd, mm-hmm. the first game, I think it is. Uh, you know, it's and it was always a two-way competition too. Like I, I want to make that clear too. There was a lot of people trying to trying to push my man Kincaid. And I, you know, I, I love you know he's you know Mississippi kid and all, but uh, yeah, I mean Dart gives us the highest ceiling, and I think that's what's important important with this team right now. You know, if we, if, if we want to reach where we want to go, you need to have a guy that can make those kind of plays, can push it downfield the way he can. Uh, you know, Luke may be the safer bet as far as not turning it over, but. Uh, 
you know, I, I think Jackson has the higher ceiling, and, and I think that's where Lane's going to go to try to get this team to even higher heights than what than what we were at last year. All right, Kara, uh, in this quarterback competition, what do you think Lane is going to do for the last week until the Troy game to delay this that everybody might inevitably think this is going to happen, but going to make this extend? Oh, Lane is like supreme um, talk-around guy. Uh, he is going to – not really do much until he names a starter. And I, and I don't even know with Lane, if we can trust what he names a starter, that that's who's going to start throughout the season. You know, like we got four games that he could definitely start Luke in one and Dart in the other before we get a, you know. Um, I think if we look at the spring game, you know, Luke had some inaccuracies, but um, he looked a little comfortable in the offense. And obviously Dart was new to it. And it was very obvious that he wasn't really quite comfortable in the offense yet, nor that he probably really knew much of the offense. But I think seeing him fall, uh, there's been a lot of improvements there that we've been wanting to see out of Jack. So, but I think it's for Lane. He, he comes from the school of uh, Nick Saban, and he's going to give us probably absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you guys are requesting and I'm doing this, just know that this is the first time I've done a space. It's not a slight. I, I got you. I can get them on request. Yeah. For you. yeah. I just might not know what's going on. Uh, yeah, this quarterback competition, I, I I think our site has done a pretty good job for six months about this competition because we were just honest from the very beginning what was going on. We didn't make assumptions of what's going on. Like, Jackson Dart might eventually win this quarterback competition, but that's not exactly how it played out. Now, I do think that, like Derek said, to, for Ole Miss to reach its ceiling, to be what it wants to be, and especially to push itself to where it wants to be in 2023 – Jackson Dart needs to play as much as possible and get as many reps as possible because that will only help them in the future. Now, if Ole Miss could win eight, nine, ten games this year, you're talking about 2023. Ole Miss may be being the favorite to win the SEC West. Not the dark horse favorite, the favorite. So there is a kind of a big growth that can happen this season that's actually real, but it just needs to happen. I always talk about it on the show all the time. It's one thing to be talented, and it's another thing to be good. And the last three weeks is basically whether they became talented and moved to good, that's where that was built up. So we'll see over the next, honestly, six weeks, because they can still build a little bit um, on themselves and get a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, uh, specifically the first month's real important. You know, uh, these these four non-conference before we go into Kentucky, right? You uh, you kind of want to name somebody and, and kind of let them take a hold of it and, and try not to swap them in and out, I think. Uh, but, you know, at, at the same time, it's kind of like you talked about all – all offseason, Stephen. You know, it's it's all about who's better for Ole Miss. It, it doesn't matter if it's the, the the transfer or the Mississippi kid, whatever it is. You know, I mean, you you want whoever's going to put us in the best position to win. Yes. Uh, so, uh, I messaged Big A Board. Uh, he's been having a lot to say with Ole Miss, so if we can get him, we'll see if we can get him to come in. He might not be able to kind of. Oh, he's here. I see. I see his avatar. Yeah, I see it. So he hasn't requested. So uh, I don't want to push him if he doesn't want to talk or if he can't okay. right now. He might have a uh, kid or family stuff going on. But uh, you know, Big Ailey, if you're ready to bring these takes here, I'm I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, it's a like I said on this quarterback competition. It's a really big story. It was really the only thing that anybody cared about for six months in the Ole Miss football program. Never mind the fact that an Adrian Peterson level talent 
transferred in to play running back. The best player on Ole Miss's team is Zach Evans, and it's not particularly close. Um, and never mind that Michael Trigg, a super athlete, has come in and like Lane Kiffin's first tight end in this offense is here. Everybody wanted to talk about this quarterback competition, and it makes sense. The most important position in all of sports is the back. It doesn't matter um, which level you're in. You could be playing eight and under flag football, and the most important position is the quarterback. It's like the Little League shortstop. And I think that as we move forward into game week, we need to shift our focus a little bit to the other storylines. We need to pay attention to the Zach Evans and the Ulysses Bentley the fourth and the Quinshot Judkins and the wide receiver room, which um, I talked to Mike Espy um, uh, about a week ago, and he talked about how that unit had the potential to be the number one unit on the team. And yeah, I mean, he, he wouldn't know. So there, there's some questions and some stuff that maybe got pushed to the back burner because of this quarterback competition. And hopefully it'll get over and resolved so we can kind of move on to it. Yeah, I'm, I, for one, am pretty happy you brought up the running backs. That's, that's what I'm really excited about, see what Evans and Bentley and, and Judkins and those guys can do behind that offensive line. You know, we've, we've got a really talented offensive line, and, and every, I know I've said before on the podcast, everybody thinks about Lane Kiffin for wide open down the field offense. You know, he, he wants to run the ball, and especially if it's a – you know, a new quarterback he's breaking in and all that, you know, he's he's going to lean on those guys. You know, there's there's a really good chance that we're, once again, in the top three in the SEC in rushing yards, if not leading the SEC, because of how talented those guys are. You know, it's probably the most talented running back room we've ever had at Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting a 65% run pass ratio. I mean, 65% uh, run. Hey, uh, Headlines. Um, so, Headlines, a friend, he's a current student at Ole Miss. Uh have anything to say, Eli? You're more than welcome to jump in. Don't uh, no, no, yeah. the whole time. I, I, I agree with the with the run pass ratio. From I mean, I was um, y'all stopped talking about the quarterbacks, but I've been uh, I was at both scrimmages and just from what I've seen at practice so far, it's just I wouldn't call it a commanding lead, but there definitely has been some some momentum created by Dart for this for the starting quarterback from just personnel standpoint in practice. But, I mean, that's just what I can see through my eyes. I mean, I have no clue what's going on internally. Yeah, an interesting thing is, like, and I, I talked to Kara about this yesterday. She kind of blew me off. And I'm going to say it again because I'm just a sicko that pays attention to things like that. Um, until the first scrimmage, every post by the Ole Miss football Twitter account had both quarterbacks at the same time. You wouldn't have Dart um, by himself. You'd have to have Dart and Luke. If you go back and look at it, you can see what I mean. After the first scrimmage, the only post has been like three or four posts of a quarterback picture, and it was all Jackson. There's not one post of Luke, Luke Altmaier. Luke <laughs> looks – I don't wouldn't say scared to take – he looked very uncomfortable in the scrimmage. Like, it wasn't as if he was missing, but, I mean, he wasn't really on cue much at all. It was very sloppy. I, and, and, and don't take this um, the wrong way or me talking bad about the fan base, but I think after the Sugar Bowl, Luke Altmaier was shook a little bit because of his interception. And he, uh, for some reason, took blame for that loss, even though he was a true freshman core. I think that was in his head in the spring. And now he's so over-conservative and afraid to turn the ball over that as long as Jackson Dart can take care of the ball, um, Luke Altmaier is at a disadvantage because it becomes a one-level quarterback versus a three. And that was the other thing. I mean, because Altmaier had that interception in the first scrimmage. But, I mean, 
just from, I mean, Dart was connecting with pretty much everybody. I mean, Luke was overthrowing guys down the field. I mean, I'm not even trying to, like, make this sound like a one-man show. It's just Dart looked three times progressed than Altmaier did in the first and second scrimmage. Sorry, to go back to what Steven said, I wasn't dismissing, but, you know, I've been very much stuck to not showing which way I lean. (laughs) So (laughs) I've been trying to say very – very Switzerland, so I have to like watch. Trying to get her favorite I... out of her for like a month. She yeah, yeah. Derek's definitely been trying to get me to say who I favor. Um, so my favorite. I've, my... I've been doing a really good job of sticking to my response. Uh, whenever I get asked who is going to get the starting job, and I say probably either Dart or Luke. So I I try to keep it very even kill there and, and uh, not really say where I'm leaning towards. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a difference between rooting for a quarterback and making a prediction. I am rooting for Ole Miss. Whoever wins the quarterback job yeah. is going to make Ole Miss better. Now, a prediction, I think Jackson Dart is going to win the job, and he's going to take the first snap. Uh, that is my prediction, just because I haven't heard anybody in the last two weeks say that Luke Altmaier is winning this job. I've looked everywhere, and I've tried, literally tried to find just that, and I can't find it anywhere. And that makes me – like I said, Lane isn't going to say anything, and Lane shouldn't say anything. John, John Summerall has not done enough at Troy to deserve to know who our starting quarterback is going to be. But all of us that are trying to piece together going on, and we could be absolutely wrong, just like we were about the defense last year against Louisville. But it, everything I'm seeing is pointing towards Jackson Dart. Yeah, but I guess kind of to swing the conversation away from the quarterbacks since, you know, Kind of, a, kind of a daily discussion. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to chime in on this real fast. Our defensive line doesn't get enough credit for how much it upgraded from last year. I mean, it's such a monstrous upgrade. I mean, it just makes me happy. Dude, to that say defensive that. line's going to be the it's, – it's good. It's deep. I mean, that's that's going to be the difference in this defense this year. The The depth there in the secondary is as good as we've had in a long time. I think there's going to be a lot of surprise with the defense. I think a lot of people thought we were going to take a step back with um, – Losing dirt, but I don't think so. we all know I'm not a dirt no. man. But no, I'm no, that, that's gonna be it this year. Hey, crazy. Hey, I just want to ask a question. Uh, the ones that know me, CFE and Audi, I've I've said it uh, very uh, out, outspoken. That I think I'll miss will win ten games this year. I think you'll be second in the West. Uh, the biggest thing that I keep hearing from people that don't want Ole Miss to win is that, they, that your defense is going to be the biggest problem. So I'm trying to find out exactly what is it about the defense that people just don't like because I think you're going to be better than LSU. I think you're going to be better than Mississippi State, and I know you'll be better than A&M. So I just don't know what what is the question mark there that everybody is thinking is there. You know, um, what Leslie McGriff did in 2017 and 2018, it, it should be criminal because everybody makes judgment of Ole Miss's yeah. defense based off of those teams. There's nobody that can yep. say that we're like – like Greg McElroy at SEC Media Days this year said that Ole Miss couldn't stop a nosebleed. And I was like, you covered the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> I mean, not only that, I mean, if they weren't talking about defense, we're, we're 
about to have two linebackers from last year's team starting in the NFL for two different teams right now. Marcus Robinson and Chance Campbell, when they came in, transferred in, they were incredible for us. They were the game changers to last year's defense. We actually won games last year because of our defense when Matt Corral was so banged up and we weren't scoring a million points a game. You know, I mean, it's just so short-sighted because, like you said, they, they, they saw what we were back when the crime dog was defensive coordinator and our defense was – so so depleted we couldn't recruit it you know they did such a poor job with that and it's been a long rebuild there you know but with, i think this year it's all the transfers and all that you know right i mean it's people they haven't seen before but you know they're high quality transfer guys you know you you bring in troy brown and uh uh Ashim young from iowa state and you know they they've sat there and they've recruited the defensive line heavily these last two years and, and that's eventually going to show up for us Austin keys at linebacker you know i mean that Everybody expects a really, really big year from him and Cedric Johnson too. You know, those are guys we've developed in house. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think Dude, this Keys is, is, uh, this is gonna be Keys, a really big one for us. Keys is just made of muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, it's, that's one of the guys taking one of those steps that we absolutely have to have at a position that is an absolute need for us. And and you know, yes, linebacker is probably the the shortest position we have on depth. But we have so many defensive backs, and they've done such a good job recruiting safeties, and uh, that that we can bring those down. That can be kind of be our third linebacker in the box to to cover the run and stuff like that for us, kind of like we did with Tony Connor and those guys back in the day. And you know, I, I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. Yeah. I feel like just because this guy came from a team, you know, that isn't good. He doesn't get the respect he deserves. I think a real name to look out for next season is Jared Ivy, defensive tackle transfer from Georgia Tech. Yeah. That guy's a yeah. I like Jared as well. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Jared's mom. All right, appreciate you guys letting me come up. Oh, no problem. Hi, crazy. Um, Jared Ivy's mom is actually a pretty avid viewer of our site. Um, so whenever I say this, people are like, woman. Yeah, think I'm being a homer, but Jared Ivy has a lot of Marcus um, Temple, not Temple, Tillman. Um, yeah. That, that's kind of the way he's a completely balanced defensive end. And right now he's running with the twos. That's how good this defensive line is. Him and J.J. Pegues are running with the twos. And in any other year for the last five years, those guys would be walk-on, just straight starters. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and then kind of building off defensive line, I mean, you still have Taiwan Malone. And, I mean, the guy that doesn't get talked about enough from last year is K.D. Hill. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he was an absolute stalwart there in the middle of that defense for us last year. You know, we got him back. You know, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier, the, the depth we've been able to develop on that defensive line, be able to rotate guys in and out. You know, it should allow us not completely gassed at the end of games, kind of like we were last year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a name to look at, nose guard, you're not going to hear early in the season, but later in the season it could pop is Avian Harris. He's a guy that has a ton of talent, and he's big enough to be a Mount Cody-type presence in the center of that defense. And eventually, he's, yeah, he's going to be the dude there. Yeah, yeah, I've I've read a lot of stuff on him too. Some some guys are are really high on him with the way he's been able to perform. Kind of like you said, he's just that big, strong guy in the middle. And you know, if you get a guy in there that can clog up the middle and hold up those offensive linemen and let those guys, the linebackers and those big safeties, eat, stop the run and all that. I mean, that's 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 a big deal. All right, what do we got, Kara? Well, I mean, I want to say I actually whoops, sorry, hit something. I actually did take the time to like look over for Troy. I actually okay. wrote notes and everything, y'all. I actually like put a lot of thought that's, into that, this that's Troy preview. <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I think we all, like, it's pretty much predicted, even on their stuff that I've read, there, nobody there is thinking Troy is going to win that game. Um, but to give them their credit, they do have uh, I'll say the pass rush. It looks like Zach Evans might have a day. Um, Ulysses, and I and I mean maybe a half, um, depending on how long Lane keeps them in. Uh, looks like pretty weak against the run, uh, but um, you know I don't know about you guys, but I'm really just excited to get started. I know our first four days are the most like you know really pump you up, but I- I'm just excited to get going. You know, you look at the first four games on the schedule, and Troy, um, at least it's an attention game. I wouldn't want Central Arkansas to be the first game. I want somebody to be the first game that can that can jump up and get you. Now, save Jacksonville State. We all know what happened. But, uh, but everybody has to prepare and worry about Troy. And then you get to Central Arkansas, and then it gradually builds after that. Because I think Tulsa is better than Georgia Tech. Uh, Georgia Tech might play in the ACC, but I think Tulsa is actually a little bit better than they are. And – that is building up to Kentucky, and after Kentucky, we'll know exactly what we have. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the big game to start the year, right? That that Kentucky game, uh, you know, we've kind of talked about several times. Start four and zero, and then you get Kentucky rolling in dots. You know, that's that's kind of where where you see where you're at at that point. Uh, you know, that's that's going to be a good team. It, Kind of depends how Will Levis is. There's a lot of people really, really high on him. If he takes that next jump to be an elite quarterback, then then Kentucky's probably the second best team in the East. And if you can pull that game out, then you end up going. I think we go to Nashville to play Vanderbilt, right? Yes. Isn't that on the road? Yeah. 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 So you go up there, beat the fire out of them, and then the gauntlet starts after that. Uh, my thing is, is most that are predicting are thinking we're going to win our first six games and then just stop playing. Like, we're just going to lose the rest of the season. Like, I I just can't get behind that. I don't know how we don't progress better. Um, you know, I think for us, we typically struggle against Auburn, but I think actually we have a great year this year against Auburn to actually pull that win. Um, I, I think Auburn's having a lot of problems. So, I don't know. I, I think we have a really great opportunity to win that game. Yeah, I don't think scary. Auburn, though, is every time they're supposed to be bad, they're not. Like, that's what scares you about them, right? When they're supposed to be down, they're they're not down. They end up having a really good year. Sorry. Michael, were you going to say something? Yeah, I guys, I just want to say how uh, appreciative I am to have a lockdown Ole Miss podcast covering nothing but Ole Miss. Really loved y'all's College World Series um, coverage. Uh, that's what really helped me be- begin to believe a lot more in the team. So it's really a, been a weird two months because usually I'm ready for football after baseball season ends, but it's just I can't get let go of that team, man. But looking forward to this season uh, for football. What do you guys think about the co-offensive coordinators we have coming in, Charlie Weiss Jr. and uh, John David Baker, kind of calling plays together? I'm really high on John David Baker. I think he's an excellent tight end coach and passing game coordinator. And I think he's probably the primary reason we were able to get Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg to even step foot onto Oxford. So I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on what you guys expect from them as far as being play callers and working under Lane. Thanks. Well, I think that um, John David Baker, honestly, he's a good coach and excellent and all that, but he probably got that title just for getting Drake and Dart, honestly, to, just to bump and pay. That was, a, that was a, a reward bonus for him because I think the main offensive coordinator will be Charlie Weiss. And pardon me, I, I want to – nobody is really asking the questions in the press conference and what's going on, and they wouldn't ask, answer it either way. But who's actually going to be running this offense? See, that's the question. Yeah. 
because because <laughs> it may be Lane calling the plays, and you know they mentioned like they interviewed Charlie Weiss in his one interview, and it was it was a perfectly fine interview, but he kept saying over and over again, "Oh, I'll defer to Lane. I'll defer to the head coach. I'll I'll defer to what's going on." And there's a little bit of gamesmanship that can happen, and there's a little bit of like, yeah, he's not really making many calls on this. He's he's almost up there to see things that Lane wants him to see. So that's that's my opinion on that. But Charlie Weiss is a good good coordinator, and he you know, obviously I, compliments Lane well. You know, maybe some of that is just his youth. Um, but also, I've, I've read a lot of stuff from some of the players uh, on him, and a lot of them talk about how much of a mind that he had, like how much intelligence he has. Mm-hmm. Um, just growing up with his father and like being, you know, I think he even in high school was. Uh, was at Notre Dame with his dad um, and already starting kind of looking over that sort of stuff. And they, they talked a lot about how much, how well he reads these, how well he looks at these. So he might not be a press conference guy. That might be somewhere he needs to develop. But as far as like his key intelligence of just being able to run offices and, and look at different things, I think he has a lot of strong points there at such a young age, just from his upbringing. Yeah. But I, I do agree that maybe Lane will probably be. Yeah, I think he'll be the alpha when yeah. it comes to the offense. Um, that, I mean, that's not necessarily anything negative towards Charlie Wise, but he is a young guy. I think he's just there for a purpose. And the, the purpose I think he's there for, by the way, is everybody kn- probably knows by now that Charlie Wise Jr. has a photographic memory. Like, yeah. like um, there, there's the story of Lane giving him his credit card um, and giving him two minutes to look at it, taking it away, and then three hours later asking him for the number, and he was able to recite that credit card number back to him. And the reason that's important is what I call main Kiffin shot plays. And 90% of this offense is what Baylor used to do, the stuff that Jeff Levy did for so well, the run game and all that. But there's 10% of them that are main Kiffin shot plays, double moves on the outside, like the clipboard throw was one of those plays. And Charlie Weiss Jr. can remember what the defense does against a certain look and just instantly recall it. And then whenever it's time to do their shot plays, he knows exactly when to do it because that information is there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I think it's going to be a lot when – kind of like when Levy was here, I, I think Levy had a lot more control over the offense. But Lane has that headset and that clipboard for a reason, you know. I mean, he's, he's sitting there looking at things too, you know. And uh, maybe he doesn't give – twice as much leeway as Levy did as far as calling plays. You know, that's that's something we're going to learn as, as the season goes on. Uh, but, you know, from from everything I've read and heard, you know, Weiss is one of those really special offensive minds, and, and I'm glad you brought that story up about the credit card. I was actually going to bring that up, too. You know, that was that was a pretty good one in that interview. But, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, Lane's definitely going to have his hand in it. it. It will be interesting to see how much he actually lets Weiss call the plays, though. Well, um, has anybody does anybody have any idea about the return game? You know, we made it through a whole camp. We're about a week away from kickoff, and we have no idea I, who's returning punts or kickoff. I heard Watkins. Watkins? That was going to be my guess. I heard Watkins. Okay. I haven't heard anything, but that would have been my guess. Is, is that is that the punt return? Uh, I've, yeah. I've I'm both. Sure. I, it might be a rotation of guys. I mean, regardless, I'm not really too concerned about it. Okay. I mean, but a guy that could really end, end up making an impact on the return game could definitely be Jalen Robinson. He's so fast. Yeah, apparently he, he needs to 
whatever it is for bad luck or whatever, uh, he just needs to stay healthy. Yeah. I think he I could probably stay Bentley back there for kick returns, too. I think that may be an option. Potentially. Potentially. And um, also, I hear um, my boy Jonathan Cruz, his cruise missiles, is doing pretty well. Well, so our kicking game could be in good shape. Yeah, I think that wire zero room that we were talking about earlier really does uh, come down to crucial uh, <laughs> his health and uh, injury because we need Mingo, a full healthy Mingo, especially that back half of the schedule. Um, that's a big time thing. I, I think a lot of that Arkansas game, honestly, is going to come down to depth. So, I, I, I've heard wonderful things about JJ Henry this offseason. <clears throat> Oh yeah, I have too. That's a good point. Uh, and yeah, yeah, there's there's people that are really high on him. I, I I was high on him coming out of high school, but you know, I mean, you you didn't really see a whole lot of him last year. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's if if he can take over that slot role a little bit, or at least give people some breathers. I mean, he's he's a dynamic player if you get him the ball in space. Yeah, I I, I don't want to necessarily say he's that player, but this is the style of player that I think JJ Henry is, and the style that Jalen Robinson is. Jalen Robinson plays the position, I think, similarly to Elijah Moore the way he did. Um, he's kind of a phone yeah. book booth player, the quickness. J.J. Henry plays the position the way that Jalen Waddle did. He's, it's just explosiveness. It's straight line. Yeah. And, it is, yeah. And I, I think those two could complement each other really well if Jalen Robinson could get healthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that, you know, especially you – if you have a quarterback back there to get them the ball, you know, you get to them in space. I mean, there's, I mean, those, that's what those guys are there for. They're there to make plays, you know, and, and that's quite frankly what Lane Kiffin's best at. You know, you go back to his Alabama days and Lord, he had talent all over the field. I know that, but you know, that's, that's what he was good at. He was good at getting the playmakers the ball. And, you know, they, they were dang near unstoppable until they ran into Ole Miss there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Lane's first years. <laughs> then after he figured that's it right. out, yeah, they got it going. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, um, we're probably going to get out of here, but I do want to say I want to do this every Thursday. I hope everybody is okay with that. Will join us, and um, we can talk as games get on. Next week, we can do a Troy breakdown. We can deal with those notes that Kara put put together. I was going to say I, I really there put a lot of work uh, into this Troy matchup. Yeah, here. yeah. We can do that. We can talk about Troy's All American linebacker. Yeah, I got uh, it's in my notes. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That and their five quarterbacks. Their five quarterback battle. Yeah. Jared Dogie, who's been to like four schools in a year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I'm, I'm still seeing Dunner as the favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Just because um, Dogie got there so late. But I'll find out. I'm interviewing um, tomorrow, actually. I'm having an interview with uh, Josh Boutwell of the Troy Messenger about that game. So I'll get an update on that. That's going to air next Tuesday. But we'll do the preview interview then and have a bunch of fun there. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, everybody, for stopping by. Um, Watch the show tomorrow, 18 minutes with Eddie Strong. Not bad. Um, But thank you very much. And hotty toddy. Hotty toddy.